0: boom hello and welcome to the protector nation podcast a podcast that is dedicated to making the world a better place making the world a safer place by making good people dangerous in this podcast we're going to study and understand what it takes to protect to protect your family to protect your loved ones because we all know that you have a few basic needs food water and shelter but you also have the need to protect those things. In a world and society where evil runs rampant and is sometimes left unchecked, learning how to protect yourselves and your loved ones is becoming more and more important. And so we strive to raise the level of accountability to those who would do evil on this planet by making sure that the sheep, that the flock, is more well-versed in protecting themselves and their loved ones. If that sounds interesting to you, then sit back and enjoy the show out. Boom! What's going on, you guys? (laughs) Welcome to another episode of the Protector Podcast. I have an honored guest here with me once again for another episode, Craig Douglas. How you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing great, Byron. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're moving fast. Thank you. No, likewise. You always look good, man. You always look good. I hope I look as good as you when I get older. You know? Yeah, exactly.
1: That's the uh, that's the thing. I'm I'm aging pretty pretty decent actually. I'm I've still got most of my hair. You know, yeah. Uh, picked up four hundred and fifteen pounds this morning. So uh
0: I'm I'm
1: happy with that. I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah. Outstanding. In fact, that kind of reminds me of a few things I want to go into with you uh as we dig into these questions, man. Wanna talk a little bit about masculinity and diet and regimen, you know, and maintenance, you know, these these things. Me and you were kicking back and forth uh in conversation a while back, and I think you had some real good some real good tools that a lot of guys could benefit from. I really, really respect and see you as like a multidimensional kind of, I mean, more than an instructor, I don't want to use the word influencer, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Um, but someone who people can learn more than one craft from, you know, so I really respect that a lot.
1: Yeah. I, I tend to be, as I've gotten older, um, more interdisciplinary and there it is. Uh, kind, kind of my raison d'etre in, um, in, in the training world, <sighs> just it, by nature of what it is and, and what it's become is very interdisciplinary. So um, a, a bunch of other elements have come into my life on the, the, the roadshow that have been not tactical training in nature, but, but have influenced me as modalities for excellence, and and a lot of it harkens back to, you know, uh, lost man knowledge, stuff that was passed on from fathers to sons, and, um, you know, I'm going to make an attempt to recapture that with a venture that uh, I'm partnering with Jeff Gonzalez on in December, which is a training and lifestyle conference that we call 12 Labors. Named after the yes. twelve labors of Hercules. So, um, it's so if, good. If you, yeah, and if you look at the mythology, it's interesting. Um, it, it, and you read the legend. Anything you'd probably want to do well as a man could probably be classified under those one of one of those twelve labors. You know. Um, so basically, um, we're we're going to have. And if, if anybody trolls my Instagram page and looks at it and sees what it's about, you, you'll see. As you've noted, I have a variety of interests, you know, that, that range from, you know, fighting in cars to picking up heavy things to uh, great food and the technical elements of cooking, um, fine menswear, craft cocktails. I love all that stuff. So what I'm, you know, ambitiously hoping to do is to bring all this stuff basically under one roof and have uh, a, a diverse panel of instructors you know we're looking at about 30 guys pro- or 30 guys and gals probably i've got uh gabe white uh very well known in the industry is kind of the cyborg hybrid human who inhabits the space between high level uspsa shooting and concealed carry Um, really, really neat guy. Gabe is going to be doing a shooting module. I'll have Scott Oates there doing a gi jiu-jitsu module. Of course, we'll be doing interdisciplinary shiv work stuff like, you know, weapons-based grappling. Uh, Tom Givens is going to be doing uh, his presentation on what makes uh, his brand successful as far as why he's had 80, I think over 80. Now, civilian students win in pistol confrontations. Um, We will have a good friend of mine, Sebastian Prickard, who is a former uh, naval officer, BUDS graduate, and has a doctorate from Oxford University, UK, in decision science, runs a boutique hedge fund, Very interesting, very interesting dude. He's also done some work for DARPA. Seb's going to be giving uh, a couple of different presentations, one on finance for the average guy and his observations on um, young men coming into the world uh, from his unique perspective being a college professor, an undergrad college professor uh, in part-time, uh, at Rollins University, which is a, a, a mainly girl university in South Florida, um, so he has some real interesting perspective on that. George Bass from uh, George Bass Menswear in New Orleans—he's uh, an icon in the hashtag menswear movement and fashion industry. Uh, the man has forty years; uh, knows everybody uh, who's anybody in that kingdom uh, is you know, has the red carpet rolled out every year at Pizziwomo, uh, in Italy for that. That's the, the largest fashion show in the world. Yes. He's going to be doing, he's to be doing uh, a module on why this stuff is important, you know, and why caring about how you look, uh, dressing well, dressing to the occasion, and at least mastering the technical elements of it are, are important probably as a man. Um, great food. We have a, a world-class chef there. Uh uh, Austin Summerall, who uh, is the owner of the White Pillars in Biloxi, Mississippi, he's going to be butchering a hog and then taking uh, the offal and teaching uh, us how to make terrines and things like that. Uh, Justin Gurman uh, will do a class on pre-prohibition era cocktails of Louisiana. And uh, what else? Rob Wolf is doing a presentation on diet. John Wellborn founder of CrossFit Football, is going to be doing a presentation on strength and conditioning. So so if you want to be better in any way, shape, form, or fashion, then 12 Labors is the place to do it. My better half, Dr. Lauren Puglis, uh, is going to be doing a class on polarity, what makes men attractive to women and what makes women attractive to men. And she draws on the words of um, Esther Perel, Brene Brown, and David Data. She has a very interdisciplinary approach to uh, relationships and relationship advice, uh, and 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 attraction. You know the laws of attraction, rules of attraction. So it's it's going to be a neat place. We want we want this to be a space for you as a man to have to be able to have a conversation about anything. If you want to have a conversation about fighting in cars, we want you to be able to have that conversation. If you want to have a conversation about infidelity, we want you to be able to have that conversation. If you want to have a conversation about TRT or psychedelics, we want you to have that conversation. We Sweet. want all the stuff if you want to have a conversation about red dots on your pistol. We want you to be able to have that conversation. Outstanding yeah. man. This so, is yeah, we want, we want to make it a cool space. For men. And when I say for men, I don't mean to exclude women because there are a lot of women who are coming who are very interested in men being better men, but it's not focused on women the way it's focused on men. So that's that's what 12 Labors is, man. We're uh, it's going to be in Austin, Texas at the range in Austin, Texas, which is a boutique, huge luxe range. It's probably the nicest range in the city of Austin. We've got the whole space for the weekend. Uh, we've got other areas off site. We're going to be doing stuff by the hotel, the Marriott. And um, like I said, the uh, it's the first, if you go to 12labors.com, guys can register. Guys and girls can register now. Uh, we've got, uh, and you're drinking now. And that reminds me, we're going to have some, we're going to have some, uh, and I know it's probably something healthy because you're oh
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, But we're going to have, uh, we're going to have some, uh, some whiskey people there doing whiskey tastings and some cigar people there. In the evening uh you know texas now has a lot of a lot of distilleries for spirits so uh we're going to do that too so it's going to be a it's going to be a fun time but yeah the first weekend of august but that's yeah. going to be december 3rd 4th and 5th it's a three-day conference and they are full days august 3rd 4th and 5th yes sir all right august and of course 3rd invited because uh yes, sir. you're an interdisciplinary
0: man. Absolutely. You know yes and, uh, sir i like what you do so yeah absolutely brother thank you i can't wait man i'm gonna have to black that out on the calendar get out there and just soak that up i'll do some kind of review on the experience try to help people understand the value of the experience man that it's beautiful man i think being a well-rounded man in all these different areas is so important and it's a lifetime evolutionary process you know uh the ups and
1: flows and changes and you know, you discover new things, you, uh, things that used to be important no longer are you right. know, uh, and, and things that, that were never important now suddenly are. So yeah, it's a journey. Now. It really yeah. Is. Experience
0: up, upgrades your lens, you know, and your values. <laughs> as If you're paying attention.
1: And I hope, hopefully if you're a, you know, if you're a curious ascendant human being, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I hopefully you you uh, hopefully we ascend you know some people I, there there are people i know i'm sure you do too who descend as they yeah. but um and i don't You're think we gracefully but you know we can yeah. at least try and ascend somewhat so yeah yeah i'm very excited man i'm very excited I'm,
0: about doing it. i'm stoked it's righteous work it's men need this type of thing now
1: they did and without you know and 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 all this stuff you know all these things are you know I look at them as modalities or hacks for excellence and focus yeah. and mindfulness I, mean, I don't yeah. care what it is cooking you know preparing a meal preparing a cocktail you know um I mean arguably you know uh what goes into a great cocktail is like a modern day tea ceremony you know from 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 the Japanese uh, dressing, dressing well I mean, there are certainly strong military overtones, you know, mm-hmm. with suiting and fine, fine menswear. You know, the 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 Savile Row houses, the oldest ones on the row in the UK, Huntsman, Deves and Hawks, Anderson Shepard, people like that, you know, houses that are 250, 300 years old, they all began making... Uniforms for officers in the British Army and the British Navy. So, as much as people think that men dressing in suits and dressing well and all the trappings uh, and detail that go along with that is effeminate, actually, it's not. I mean, it has a, it, it. It has its roots in standing inspection.
0: Yeah. And- so
1: that's that's certainly something you know, that I, I think a lot of men are unaware of. And, and I'd like to see all that stuff again, number one, reclaimed. And number two, you know, it's it's just a way to practice
0: mindfulness and excellence. 100 percent. And in every great culture, warrior society, you see very serious attention being given to the dress code, the uniform, uh, the placement of things like yep. it's you know, the peacocking of things. and. Yep. It's, it's all there you know it's it's our roots it's good stuff it gives me chills talking about it i yeah, love it good good. it gives me chills talking about it too man it's outstanding it's, um, very exciting um very exciting. so i guess before you know just for folks that aren't familiar with you i and i'm always amazed at how many people aren't familiar with you because you know your yeah. training it works and stuff has really enhanced uh so much of my life just a quick background you know where you're from what you're doing, all that stuff
1: So I'm a retired police officer. I had a 21-year law enforcement career. The vast majority of that time was spent in drugs and SWAT. Um, I retired in 2011 to do training full-time. So uh, this is my 10th year of training full-time. It's my 19th year of doing training uh, because I started the business while I was still on the job full-time. It's my 19th year of training uh, and teaching under the brand ShivWorks globally, I teach in uh, 46 states, 11 countries outside of the U.S., four branches of the military, five federal law enforcement agencies, and uh, I have a standing contract with a a specialized section of the Department of Defense. Um, I am best known in the industry for niche, nasty problems, the entangled gunfight. What does it look and feel like to get a gun out with someone right on top of you in a clinch? Um... What does a fight uh, with a knife and a car look like? What does a solo structure movement problem look like? Um, what is talking yourself out of getting shot uh, by using high levels of verbal agility, understanding how to weaponize that and apply friction cognitively to people so you can ambush them. That's kind of what I'm known for in the industry. I'll, a lot of the... Uh, the difficult problems and and the quote unquote soft skills that everyone talks about, but no one
0: physically trains. Wow. Man, it's awesome. It's the I always call it the Formula One of self-defense. It's the, it's the, the complicated problems that no one wants to touch. Man. Right. And we had fun with this
1: already once and we're going to do it again. But uh man, that was great space that we had, those two walls to uh oh yeah to have a gunfight in, you know. I, 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 I wish we could like splicing video and to show uh show show everybody what that looks like they haven't seen what i do before but we had some really well, we had some really good fights in that uh in that uh, that module
0: of instruction that was a ton of fun yeah for those of you who don't know he's referencing our last hard skills intensive where he was teaching people the entangled uh gun the really the entangled gunfighting everything he was talking about just now and um so he gets to the venue. You know, and we're kind of doing a walkthrough and he's like, Byron, help me find a place (laughs) where they can't get away. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, 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 like like murder alley, like a back alley. Literally, that's what we called it. And we found this space between like a dumpster and the external wall of the structure. And it was probably like maybe six feet of space in there. Amazing. And it turned into like a fight club. We had guys on either side. There was nowhere you were you were in a fight. You were in a gunfight. not going anyone. Yeah. Out. Flesh on flesh. It was outstanding, man. It was it was really that good. Was an awesome space too. As soon as I saw
1: that, we were walking the property. I was like, that's it. <laughs> exactly, it was man. Yeah, God, I think, yeah, it was great. It's a good time. It's such a good, such a wonderful event. And I'm, I'm just excited to be part of it again. I really am, man. I had such yes. a good time, you know, with, uh with all the other guys. The people are, you know, as you know, amazing.
0: Amazing. So, absolutely. Uh, I'm absolutely looking
1: forward to doing it again.
0: Yeah, and we are. So ladies and gentlemen, Craig Douglas is going to be one of our instructors this year at the upcoming Protector Symposium 4.0. He'll be giving a soft skills presentation on Friday and then teaching uh, hard skills as well. And we're going to do some fighting in cars this time. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. You mind giving just a little uh, presentation: A quick couple minutes on what you'll be teaching on. Ab- Absolutely. So I call this. This is a four-hour. I think I'm teaching
1: for four hours, right? Or three I remember, hours? Yeah. I can't remember. About Whatever four, it is. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's an abbreviated presentation of a class I teach uh, in open enrollment and also to close clients uh, called Interior Vehicle Combatives Course, and basically, uh, number one, it reflects um, the Experiences I had working undercover, particularly buying crack in cars, uh, and cars and some pretty significant failures I had while doing so. Number two, um, it's a, a hybrid movement that I kind of, cre- well, I did create um, that is specific to the, the novelty of a car. And, and if we think about the interior of a car, A car is a cube. So because it's a cube, you have all these novel points of stability and base that don't exist in open space. And now, um, there's really not a top and a bottom anymore. So if you think about grappling in a car, a lot of the traditional rules don't apply, such as getting your back taken. Now, if you get your back taken in open space on a map, that's you know, anathema, I mean, in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament, I mean, that's, you know, major points against you uh, in the real world. That's, you know, uh, you're, you're getting choked out or beat up when a guy has four limbs available from behind and you have none. Um, that's a significant failure uh, in the carp, because I can utilize the vehicle and the novelty of the environment and create strategies like, Pinning where I'll brace my feet on the door and wedge a guy into the B pillar or the A pillar, utilizing my elbows off the dashboard, my head off of the, the uh, headliner, and things like that. Uh, now, getting my back taken, not a big deal. In fact, uh, we can easily crush and we have uh, crushed people's rib cages on a B pillar pin. It's happened. It's happened uh, in the early days when I was figuring all this shit out. So um but anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna look at that movement, which I I think of as something between jujitsu and rock climb. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> what it is. And then we're gonna add guns to that and we're gonna add knives to that and then we're gonna add context to that. Uh, and then like we do, we're going to test it and you guys are going to have a gunfight in a car and it's going <laughs> to, it's going to be interesting. And, Man, And so that's what we're doing. We're going to do that. You know, for however many guys we have, we'll do it, what, three times all day?
0: You know? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be four squads of roughly 10 folks that will be going through each class. We will it'll
1: car be- fight from dusk till
0: dawn, just like we did before outstanding absolutely it's going to be real world it's going to be high speed um it's going to be intense and i think that's what people need to understand how to survive these altercations so
1: yeah you know i i describe a lot a lot of times i'll sum up my training as you know um trying to provide someone the benefit of a real world experience without the same consequence that i had to suffer so um you know that's really the and and really you know, I used to hear all the time. I remember the old guys, you know, who would say experience is the best teacher and don't worry about like training stuff and experience is the best way to learn. And after having a couple, experience is high stakes, man. Yeah, experience sucks. That's a, that's a terrible way to learn, you know. And 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 really, the the best we can do in training is make it a tent and giving people that experience without the actual consequence. So experiential, immersive training, pressure-based training is um is is where it's at and that's kind of where I dwell for the most part.
0: Yeah, outstanding. Okay. And you said something else that was I want I've wanted to revisit uh since our last symposium you mentioned if something can't be tested at speed yeah i I remember there was like a few components you said i think if it's not duplicatable or can't be tested at speed um maybe you should look at it a second time or something along those lines what's the value of it
1: right if it can't be if it can't be tested at full speed what what really is the value of it It, and and it may have some value it may indeed have some value but to give you Uh, and this is not a new argument. Right. For for example, when, when Kano created judo, right? One of the things Kano did, and Kano was, uh, was a college professor. He was an educator. So one of the things, so he knew how to organize, right? And teach unlike a lot of the old, you know, jujitsu sensei and the old jujitsu ruse in Japan. But one of the things Kano did was, um, Number one, he created Rondori, which was a more alive way of training with more resistance. And to do that, what he had to do was he had to get rid of the techniques that you couldn't train, you know, realistically without severely injuring someone. Now, the old jiu-jitsu masters insisted that Kano was... Throwing away the lethality of jujitsu and and the best elements of jujitsu and what made jujitsu jujitsu right, um. Well, you know, as it shook out at the Tokyo Metropolitan Police trials, you know, in the late eighteen hundreds, when everybody showed up wanting that money, wanting that contract, wanting that prestige, um, all those jujitsu guys that didn't train realistically when they. Sp- when they put their best people in against the new judoka, you know, in the new judo, the judo guys wipe the floor with them. Awesome. So to a man. So the, the, the idea that, you know, something is, is of dubious value. If it can't be trained, that's, that's nothing new. Now, some things, you know, I, I mean, a full power kick in the kick in the crotch, Okay, we can't train that. We can train that on, we train that in laborious, cumbersome ways with like the old bullet man suits and stuff like that. But then the guy's not moving realistically and it's hard for him to attack. So you're not yeah. getting realistic resistance from him. Um, and certainly kicks to the crotch of work in real life, all kinds of things have worked in real life. But, you know, um, when when people default to something as an answer, I'll just rake his eyes. I'll just, you know, kick him in the crotch. I'll just give him a titty twister or a purple nurple or whatever, you know, whatever. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's usually something like that, you know, when 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 it's an argument against positional control. Um, you know, the first thing that people ask is how do you how do you train that? How do you train how do you train sticking your fingers in somebody's eyes? How do you do that? Yeah. If you don't train it, do you really think it's gonna come out? Uh, under I, realistic conditions and, and in my experience, both as someone in a high risk profession and in my experience teaching um, as much my experience teaching people motor skills mm-hmm. uh, who are in all kind of high risk professions, that's just simply not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, we'll see we'll see thing, people that do anomalous, interesting stuff right it's like ooh I mean you see that in UFC right yeah,
0: yeah every once in a while someone does some crazy like off the cage kick or like right
1: some some cap- like, oh! right some dude yeah. some dude did a capoeira kick super cage, and and uh, pe- uh what was his name petty uh petis
0: yeah it's like a legendary highlight reel right you know, highlight reel show.
1: Yeah. it happened once and ever right and of course the capoeira people you know rejoice right yeah, they're like Score! It you
0: you're know? on the map
1: you know i got it like let's see if somebody else can do it or let's see if it happens again so right. I mean, all all that stuff you know like i said i, I, I go back if you can't gen- generally speaking and there are exceptions to every rule but generally speaking if you can't train something realistically it's not going to come out in a real world situation it's not going to be retained you know uh, and it's not going to be it's not going to be accessible mm-hmm. uh, so i'm a firm believer in that 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 we generally should prioritize techniques that we can train with as much resistance as
0: can safely be you know exerted yeah man and i think that's one of the huge takeaways that a, a number of people mentioned after training with you at the last hard skills intensive they were like You know, and then my buddy Luke also observed it was like what you taught was something that the average man was really able to integrate and then actually uh, do. For lack of a better word like just you were able to do it especially in that actual real world confrontation that we constructed in a safe environment especially with you kind of coaching as he went through uh as the altercation was happening you're like hey watch this do this you know you're kind of coaching him through a little bit and it was at least nine times out of ten the good guy was able to survive and win the altercation you know yeah, and,
1: four, four hours of training you know yeah. and. You know, the key to that also is you know, as far as developing curriculum <clears throat> is reductionism and congruency, especially when you're operating in a short, limited time format, you know, um, like like I was and, and historically do. You know, weekend courses, accepting like what I'm doing next week, a five-day meal course. You know, most of the time I'm confined to two and a half days, sometimes four hours, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not just going to entertain people, you know, we're going to train something and we're going to work at something and we're going to pressure test that something, you know, so, uh, keeping, uh, reductionism and congruency, they don't need a lot of stuff. I, I am tired of hearing trite aphorisms like, Another tool in the toolbox, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: At, at some point, you have to stop collecting tools and actually build something.
0: That's right. the way I've always
1: looked at it. So, you know, um, they de- people don't need a lot of stuff. What they do need is they, they need a, a, a few things, a couple of options at the most. And, and my curriculum is very binary by design. A couple of options at the most, uh, and they need a ton of reps with gradated resistance. That's the key: is introducing appropriate resistance early, keeping the curriculum small, tricking them into getting as many reps as possible in the time that you have available, and then testing. Because we saw people; I mean, after four hours pulling off a duck under to get <laughs> yeah uh, pulling yeah. off you know a t- a split seat belt you know or whatever you want to call it a Dagestani handcuff you know yeah. that particular tie up that I teach we we saw people doing that under high levels of resistance and press yes. yeah you know so um it's taken a long time and I'm not saying I've got everything figured out or I'm Yoda, but I mean it's taken a long time and a lot of mistakes um, to to understand how to train people who you may never see again in a compressed time format and give them something that actually works and and that's from how i teach it to what i teach to how the curriculum is developed to how i manage time to how i introduce the content um that's a that's literally
0: a lifetime journey you know it's been my lifetime yeah, and you did an awesome job. Now that you explain a little more, I see the magic. I see how you took us from the introduction to the techniques, into these these uh, regimented sparring drills where we got reps at different components of what you were teaching, and that graduated approach to increasing then increasing more pressure, and it just drives it home because I I know that the students were like we got we walked away with something from this module. It was, exactly, it was exactly.
1: And I want people to. I mean, I want people to have fun. Make right. no mistake, but and I don't I don't take myself seriously, but I take what I do very seriously, and I take what people pay their, for. And, and I take their time mm-hmm. very seriously. They're there to learn, you know, life saving skills from me. You know, it's more like a you know a calling type thing. Where it, oh, yeah. it really is that's a that, that's something I take very 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 seriously. You know, it's a it's a it's a vocation. Not really a profession, you know, it's a vocation like being a priest. Yeah, that's how I look at it. So when people trust me to pay me hard earned money and listen to me, I, I have to do a good
0: job outstanding no, I, I, and it's felt the level of excellence that you that you embody as you're doing everything you're doing even in this conversation uh it's felt 100 that yeah. that energy's there it's beautiful yeah. much appreciated what would you say to the females that are coming we have a number of them coming to the event that are a little bit like all right like i'm gonna get into a car and grapple with a guy and all that type of stuff what, what would you exactly say to that
1: you're gonna do, young lady
0: <laughs> exactly
1: exactly what you're gonna do you need um, I, I would say, generally speaking, that women take physical instruction better than men. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have any illusions about attributes. You know, <laughs> um, so good.
0: <laughs> I'm just gonna do this, and then I'm gonna do. That. <laughs> uh,
1: and look, man, there there are four things that every man, every man thinks he does well and is encoded <laughs> in his DNA. You yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, shooting driving, fighting, and effing, right? uh, It's true. Those four things, every man thinks he's an expert at, right? Boy, you should have
0: seen me, man.
1: (laughs) Women don't have that problem. They don't think they're experts in any of those areas, right? So anyway, um, what I would say is, number one, ladies take physical instruction um, generally better than men. They do. They pay attention. Um, they do reps better. They're, they seem to be more mindful. They're mm-hmm. definitely more technique centric and technique oriented. Secondly, they have a significant advantage in the car. Mm, really? Significant advantage in the car. They do. Wow, they, I would have thought attention. not. Okay. Oh, they have a significant advantage. Once, once I teach them how to move, and how to basically translate, you know, MMA wall walking up the side of the door and how that goes. You know, I mean, I'll have these ladies looking like those creepy girls in those Japanese <laughs> movies that are crying. <laughs> <laughs> With
0: the hands. Right, yeah, know. right. Know. right.
1: <laughs> You know, so about hair in their face and you know, yeah, choking weird. out, and shooting you know, and stuff like that in all these weird positions that they That's shouldn't, awesome. you know. So um, what I would say is, ladies, you're going to have uh, – a good time, number one, I promise. Number two, you're going to be incredibly empowered with your specific knowledge of how the car works. And a little bit of car fighting goes a long way. People who don't understand it, even people with high levels of skill. You know, um, one of the guys that works for me, Scott Oates, um, you know, third degree black belt under Saulo of Scott Scotty comes on the road with me, former Navy SEAL, you know, and... um he comes on the road with me a lot, especially in closed coursework. You know, the first time Scotty did uh, coursework with me and, and he did a car fight, he got wrecked, wrecked. Really? Oh man, Scotty. By a purple belt in the car, who's smaller than him.
0: Mm. Not
1: once, but twice. Because he, dang it. So, he, so
0: once his luck, twice his skill, baby. You <laughs> know,
1: Because he didn't understand how the car worked. And how the novelty of a particular environment diminishes an orthodox skill set that's generally trained and learned in a training environment set up for your explicit comfort and safety. <laughs> your explicit comfort and safety. That's no what that. training environments do, right? Mat rooms, yeah, rangers, the range, the mat room. That's yeah, what I it's mean. for. You know, and generally we don't get into you know gunfights on ranges. You know, in that room. So, um, yeah, you know, a little bit of car fighting and the specific knowledge of how to do it Mm -hmm. goes a long way. So I would say that any woman that goes through my car fighting class at our conference uh, in October, if somebody is is unfortunate enough (laughs) to assault her, inside of a vehicle, she's probably just gonna wreck them. That's what I would say. Outstanding. That's that's how powerful that little bit of knowledge is of how to exploit the car. Uh It's powerful, man. It's a force multiplier if you know what to do with it. It is. It is it's it's incredibly powerful. And it doesn't (laughs) take a lot, it doesn't take a lot of training. You just you need the reps. You need the bike in the car. And that's, you know, getting out. That being said, too, people are going to be like they are after everything that I teach. They're going to be done, banged up. They're going to be they're going to be gassed. There's no doubt. Uh, especially fighting in the car. Yeah. Um, because you just get mashed, and you know when your when your cheekbone is, is smashed up against a B pillar, and a guy's got his foot in your ear, that kind of stuff. It it, it can so get, a
0: little, get a little much,
1: you know. It was but, definitely.
0: Yeah, it was it was definitely fight clubby, real, real fight clubby when we were. <laughs> yeah, and you had to keep yeah, going.
1: yeah it, it it is it is. So and good, and I love I've been, it. And I've been and I've been referred to, kind of funny, been referred to as the uh, as the, the Tyler Durden of the uh, of the self defense and the firearms training. <laughs> I've been called that before.
0: Yeah, man. I was like, we're back in the squad bay. Like, we're in the yeah. back of the squad bay
1: right now. <laughs> I'm about to feed some stuff out. At least all kinds of funny stuff. You know, somebody, you know, somebody like we're doing on, a, you know, we're on a bay, you know, the, for, for a, a class for a weekend. There are multiple bays at a large commercial yeah. range. Somebody wanders over and they're like, hey man, what are you guys doing? It's like, first rule of it is we can't talk about it. You know? <laughs> uh, That's awesome. always there's almost always a fight club <laughs> reference i mean nobody's <laughs> nobody's truly that dickish but they, the, the, the <laughs> most definitely is there so yeah it's That's uh fun. it's fun man it's uh it's not for everybody certainly not it never right. will be and uh, i don't right. you know apologize for the intensity or viscerality of it you know it's safe it's hard it's scary and uh after people do it they have a sense of accomplishment, and they have a roadmap on how yeah. to get better, and they feel good. Yes. I'm going to keep doing what I do
0: the way I do it. I love it, man. And that's exactly right. The looks in the guy's eyes at the end of the last event, and then they felt like they accomplished something. We got right, some tears, you know? you know? I mean, it was right. like, you it did. was beautiful. You did. It was cool. It was Absolutely. Cool. So cool Moving. What, yeah. um what martial arts you talk about interdisciplinary stuff real quick kind of what martial arts do you kind of fuse together uh and some of the stuff you do
1: these that mainly I, I would distill it down to to wrestling uh a little bit of boxing mainly dirty boxing um uh, attached punch people in the clinch uh brazilian mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu uh there's some muay thai in there uh but but mainly uh mainly wrestling you know and i and i say of of everything that's uh, in, in fact I refer to wrestling as the base, you know, um, and from, from the base, you can add things and you can, there are different ways to, to go. You know, the language I use specifically is, um, I, I call what I do with wrestling an operating system. And if you, you we, we, use that language in cause it's immediately, uh, it immediately resonates from people and and they're, PC, your computer, your laptop, you know, yeah. if your operating system fails, you can't run any applications. You, yeah. can't, um, you can't do a Word document. You can't do a spreadsheet. You can't do a PowerPoint. You can't get on the internet. And then I, you know, uh, I'll ask what are applications for us fighting inside the wingspan, perhaps inside of a novel environment, like a car, getting a gun out. That would be an application. Retaining a holstered handgun, that would be an application. Dealing with a guy that's trying to stand me with a knife, that would be an application. Without an operating system, none of those applications will run. And I choose wrestling as the place to draw from and create our operating system. And when people ask why, uh, the answer to that is very simple. If you, if you look at ancient military culture, Mm -hmm. people who fielded real armies and did a lot of killing. And if you look at their inside arms reach, weapons-based combat and how it's depicted in their art, if you look at the art of ancient Greece, Rome, or feudal Japan, people that fielded real armies and did a lot of killing, okay? You see a common theme. You You see a soldier grabbing another soldier by the armor, trying to put a weapon into his body. You see a soldier grabbing, you know, uh, a weapons bearing limb and trying to steer it and keep it out of his body. You see a soldier grabbing someone and trying to put them on the ground so someone else, another soldier, can walk by and put a pike in their face. You see expressions and derivations of wrestling. Of <laughs> wrestling. So, so, yeah. So if if that has worked as the base for as the base of that range of combat for six thousand plus years of humanity, I see no reason to deviate from the model and do, you know, animal style kung fu, you know.
0: Yeah. Solid. Together,
1: wrestling. And 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 what I was gonna say is um and where I continued was we don't wrestle to wrestle, and we're not practicing and using wrestling in the sportive collegiate sense of how wrestling is viewed and practiced. We're using very specific elements of wrestling to facilitate tactical or self-defense in states. getting a gun out, retaining a gun, dealing with a weapons-bearing adversary, and, and being able to escape and use you know, on distance, you know, to our advantage as a trained marksman. So,
0: absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Can you talk about some stuff that you've experienced in the real world that kind of maybe helped you choose what to teach people in these realms?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm a byproduct. uh, I was a nerdy martial artist. I was never an athlete or anything like that. Um, You know, I did every cutting edge nerdy martial art. I mean, from the time I was a child, you know, nineteen seventy-four. You know, I was put in a taekwondo class because I was the skinny kid with the birthmark getting beat up by other kids. It was classic <laughs> United, classic Danielson story. And yeah, uh, sure. that back that was back when they had the old Joan Reese safety chop and safety kick. Those just come out. Safety so kids. um oh yeah, yeah, Google Baltimore. I'm not sure that that's still around. Anyway. I, I, uh, I was kind of a martial arts nerd prodigy, and I started competing in Taekwondo tournaments, and then I started teaching uh, our kids' class, and then I got into Aikido and Aikijitsu and Jiu-Jitsu, to Judo, boxed, did all kinds of Filipino martial arts, uh, did Kali Salata Skrima under uh, Asanto Asanto uh, through Francis Fong. And uh, then did the Tur Show with Doug Markaya when we were both kids. And he was an airman uh, stationed here locally at Keesler Air Force Base. And we met at an Enosanto seminar. Um, and this is way before there was an internet, in 1993. Doug was uh, still in the military and I was a working cop. And I was, I, I was not even, uh, I wasn't even in narcotics yet. I was still a patrol officer, but he was a calling nerd and I was calling nerd. And uh, it was a way for us to hook up. I mean, we, we did awesome training, you know, back then. Yeah, uh, as as, uh Pakiti Tertia went, you know. Um, let's wow. see. God, I mean, it, it's probably a bigger. Uh, the shorter list is probably what I haven't done as far as martial arts. But what I found on um, when I did my two year undercover uh, stint was was the vast majority of them just didn't work.
0: Yeah, once and, you
1: started
0: in real world situations, you they being
1: didn't. Like, they didn't work, and they didn't work due to mainly due to. How they were trained and, and how they were trained also affects content, you know, because, you know, if you don't have any resistance, you can do anything, right? It's like, <laughs> hey, you, know, you, you know, it's like it, when people start talking about CQB, you know, mm-hmm. they're doing dry runs in a shoot house. It's like, well, you know, you can moonwalk in here right now and it'll work because nobody <laughs> <shooting at you. laughs> And you look good for Instagram. You look good doing it, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly, I like can MC hammer my way from room to room. Yeah. You know, hit my hard corners, hammer out. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome.
0: That's so good. But,
1: that's true, man. But all that stuff works, and all that stuff is is you can debate it until you know there's actual resistance. And what I found were were, were the only things that held up were the were the combat sports. Boxing worked. Boxing mm-hmm. worked. Um. I didn't really have any wrestling then. I didn't come into wrestling until my early 30s. Um, but uh I had a good sense of it. And I done some shuto with uh Eric Paulson back when he had a ponytail and uh and Yuri Nakamura, uh, who was the first guy that came over and did shooto So and I had a good affinity for for stand-up grappling. So that that seemed to work, had a great word naked choke, you know. Um and and that th- those few things seemed to work. Uh so the more I focused, based on you know what I saw at, in that that two-year undercover stint, when I came out of that, I really started focusing on contextualizing combat sports themselves and combat sports uh, training modalities for tactical situations and self-defense situations. Uh, you know, I started off mainly open enrollment, but it's gradually shifted to where I'm I'm now squarely half between open enrollment regular people and close course work with with government so yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. but yeah the the failures uh that i had as uh as as an undercover officer and not just as an undercover officer i mean the failures i had even as a patrol officer you know i um i'll and i think you wanted me to tell a, a story or two i'll tell you one um, thank
0: you thank you,
1: thank you. And this, is, this is not a this is not really a cool like narcotics agent story this is just a story but you know back when I was in my full uh, you know uh, Southeast Asian martial art heyday um my grappling wasn't that good it was more intuitive versus technical um, <laughs> I, I had a, I was a patrol deputy and I had a call for service and uh, it was a medical emergency and I, the medical emergency was put out and I responded to the call and got there and a, a, a kid, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old answers the door and he says, he's in here and he runs off to his left. Well, I enter the house, go and i go down a hallway that ends in a master bedroom. There's a large walk-in closet. It's filled like most closets are with boxes of shoes and there's a shoe rack on the floor. Oh, yeah. Coat hangers stuck out. And there's a huge guy. Huge guy, um, like bigger than you. Huge dude. Um, wow. I, think, I think he was like, uh I think he was probably, I don't know,
0: twenty. Big, big, wow. offensive lineman, big, NFL size human.
1: And he was, and he was face down.
0: Okay.
1: And um, his head was to my right, so mm-hmm. his right arm was was facing me. His both of his arms were under like this. There was a woman on his left side. She was crying. And she was pulling on him, just get up, just get up, you can't do this. So, you know, between the call that was dispatched, medical emergency, the kid and seen he's back here. Now I'm thinking, all right, good. You know, especially again, the dude's so huge. I was like, hey, he choked on a hoagie, you know. Which, <laughs> it's over. I'm going to
0: call the paramedics. So yeah.
1: <laughs> having a heart yeah. attack or something. So I took a knee and, and not because I was doing anything tactical, but – I just happened to check his elbow because I was going to roll him towards me. Yeah. So checked, his, checked his elbow. Well, as soon as I did that, and I grabbed him to pull. He sprang up, and underneath him, he was holding a nine inch fillet knife. And he had cut his. Nine inch. Yeah. Mm. And he had cut himself from wrist to elbow and wrist to elbow was covered in blood. Um, okay. So the medical emergency was. Uh, you know, as was want to happen in in law enforcement, the medical emergency was um, was a suicide attack. That yeah. information didn't get passed down. So immediately, uh, I, I I had my elbow there. He swings up. He's huge. You know, I think I'm probably at the time I don't know 135 pounds. You know, that's yeah. my you gun. Know? Yeah. So, um, you know, I I dove on his arm. And caught his uh, caught his arm basically in a two-on-one, you know, two hands on the knife, and basically rode him. And and every strip that I tried, that I'd learned in Southeast Asian systems, uh, trying to get his wrist bent, uh, it was blood. None of it worked. We we're fighting. Uh, in a closet with a bunch of shoe over, uh, you know, roll, rolling around over shoe boxes. She's still in there with us. So, um, oh, man, <laughs> what what worked, what worked, what worked was me holding on long enough. And that was about three minutes before another deputy gets there. Long, long time to be
0: holding I on. Had,
1: man. I hit my panic button on my portable. Um, and I was trying to bang his hand, uh, against the, uh, the, the case, the, the casement on the door, nothing. nothing worked, dude would not let go, could not make him hit him. But I, you know, if I, if I hit him, dude was so big and strong and he outweighed me by, by over a hundred pounds, um, yeah. covered in blood, you know, trying to hit him and maintain a hand. And not eat a blade that that I figured out that wasn't too feasible. You know, I didn't get hit. Fortunately, I didn't get stuck, but uh, I, I didn't have an answer to that problem, and I didn't know what to do. And it was in an environment that I'd never trained in, with variables that I'd never trained in. You know, such as having a third party there <coughs> who's uh, present, potentially part of the problem, uh, yeah. certainly not yeah. part of the solution. Yeah. Uh, what what worked in that instance was um, a patrol deputy getting there, having his radio in hand, walking in and cracking that dude in the skull with that motor roll as hard as he could four times until the dude kind of dented up, let go and we both dog popped. That's how that ended. So oh, um, hey. and I was an accomplished martial artist. I was a lifetime martial artist. I was a young guy. You know, I was in my 20s. But still in all, you know, I had uh, I'd been a soldier, you know, I'd been a police officer uh, up to that point serving cop. You know, I think that was uh, 95 when that happened. So I've been on the job five years. Um, and I didn't get stuck. But that that was a, that was a, and I had been in knife arts, right? Arts that yeah. reported to uh, be, the final answer on blade work, mm. I'd never trained for that scenario. Uh, the solutions I've been presented for empty hand versus knife, none, none of them worked. <laughs> tell you what worked was keep two hands on that knife and move myself around that dude as he moved around. Uh, yeah. It would have been an open space. I might have been able to get away, and I was quick and quicker and yeah. shooting. But I was in closed space. I didn't want to let go of the knife because I wasn't sure if he'd go after her or not. So I just had to hang on. Mm. I couldn't let go, you know, uh, I, I and I did let go twice to try and hit him. I was in a weird position, so I didn't have any base, and I couldn't generate any power to knock this dude out, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I thought about trying to uh, to go for my pistol and shoot him, but I was in a level three retention holster, and yeah. I didn't have enough Control to get the time to get the gun out like I teach people how to do now. I didn't even know how to do that. So wow. all of that—that's just—that's a story. And there are others. There are others, but that's a story. And they—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they, they're, they're not important because they all illustrate the same point. Mm-hmm. I, I had a series of cascading failures of my orthodox traditional martial, martial arts education, um, and. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that seemed to work reliably, consistently, a right cross, that worked. A rear naked choke, that worked. A tie kick, that worked. So, yeah, I, I, I tended, you know, late 90s to advocate and gravitate towards combat sports contextualized again not for matches but for on um, tactical situations and and you know self-defense and street scenarios so yeah that um so that's a story you know that's a that's a that's a story and, and fortunately that's a minor failure I had a couple of major ones that's a minor failure i didn't get stuck that chick didn't get you know she didn't get cut up um yeah. He may have had. He may have lost some IQ points. <laughs> uh, he he probably got some coloring books for Christmas. You know, after he uh, after he got out of the uh, after he Not got out of the, Yeah, because she signed it. She signed a mental writ on him because he was he was a he was a whack loon. Plus drugs and alcohol involved. So yeah. it, it, she ended up signing a writ on him, um, and he he was locked down. I know for a while.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, uh, you know, I had a minor history. Well, hmm. minor well. I was I had a consistent history of of minor assaults. You know, as far as when you wrote a rap sheet. So, but yeah, that's that's uh that's one. You know, as far as um you know something that uh just didn't go my way and 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 where my training failed me. So I started. You know, when I got into high risk professions, my faith. In, in martial arts and martial arts instructors and styles of martial arts, it's really started to I'm and and I'll be quite frank, I was an atheist there for a while. Yeah, you're losing
0: your religion, man. Huh?
1: Right, I did. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I and that's a great way to put it, man. In fact, you know, if there were video of uh, me trying to strip that dude's knife out, you know, yeah. a good a good you know uh uh you know playover song would be losing my religion by, by REM <laughs> that would be uh that'd be an awesome i like
0: <laughs> <laughs> the video is so epic i can see it Right. that would be you know <laughs>
1: that would be an awesome video to see flyweight me Hold yeah. holding on for that's pretty much what it looked like it's pretty much hold <laughs> for, for life. He's shaking his arm, trying to get me off of him. You know, big oh, guy, Yeah, like I said, he uh, well, yeah, and actually, he had he he had, had almost almost two hundred pounds on. him. That's wow, nothing I could, nothing I could do.
0: Like that. man, no. man, that's stronger than you. Him, there.
1: you know. Confined space. Didn't grapple that good. Couldn't hit him hard. Couldn't get to anything. But fortunately it turned out. But um yeah.
0: Yeah, another goal is not it's for people not to have to get fortunate when it comes to these for them to have to understand how to navigate these.
1: A lot of my, you know, a lot of my curriculum and learning points come from my failures. Yeah. most of them do. I mean, so I have a well-developed curriculum because I I had several. So, and you know how it is, man. You don't remember any wins, y'all only remember the losses, right? You nah, nah, to but the losses create if you survive them. The losses uh, create growth and change, and hopefully yeah. it's positive. Hopefully, it's creating, you know, uh, great curriculum and not alcoholism,
0: right? Because you know, <laughs> yeah, we've have, seen it go
1: both when ways. When you have a loss in a high risk endeavor, you know, yeah. I mean, a lot of people degenerate into. You know the bad side of that. That's a big. Yeah. That's how, that's how they cope. You know, my therapy and coping for my losses was uh,
0: creating training solutions. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Well, we're we're happy you did, man. Um, it's an honor, you know, to be able to learn from you, to be able to, you know, have you at this event. I'm yeah. absolutely looking forward to it. I know so many are, um, and I know you're. I mean, even when we were having our conversation, you were like that is the last free weekend i have <laughs> and, and i was like you got it man Thank god you got it you got it i was like this might be your right, last right, bro yeah this year to train you know these arts with with uh craig Douglas, man cuz he is he's blowing up um so hopefully we'll see you guys there you know at at the protector symposium 4.0 protectorsymposium.com get your tickets um but also i'm psyched about the seven labors man this sounds like an event that, well, uh, 12 no 12, 12, 12 labors i'm taking shortcuts. 12, see i yeah, got
1: to... <laughs> exactly took five labors away burn
0: yeah i know i know right <laughs> you know so it, you're doing so many awesome things and i'm really excited looking forward to it as always it's going to be an amazing event so thank yeah. you so much this time man, with
1: me always always you always got my time and I always like working with you and hanging out with you and talking to you and it's uh it's mutually you know beneficial and you know sir. I learn a lot when I'm around you too man so I appreciate the opportunity as usual thank you so much
0: absolutely thank you awesome thank you. all right sir we'll see you in a bit boom Boom, yo, what up? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Hey, listen, in order to get more out of the brand, I want to encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at protectornation.com. We post different types of content on our different platforms at different times. Uh, You'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real world combat engagements and things like that. So stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to protectornation.com and Buy something or join forces with me on Patreon. You'll scroll down the homepage and you'll see the link. Uh, Anything you can give counts, you know, think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on McDonald's this month, five bucks a month, whatever it is Uh, that helps. That helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous. Anyways, this is Byron Rogers, protector by nature and by trade. And I'll see you on the next piece of content, whether it's a video or podcast out.